There's a reason more pros choose redneck blinds over any other blind on the market. Combining amazing quietness, scent control, and usability features, you have the ultimate hunting blind. Give them a call or check them out online at redneckblinds.com. Dakota Silence, we're embracing better. Our focuses, revolutionary concealment, extreme silence, enhanced thermal efficiency, purpose-driven functionality. Unheard, unnoticed, uncompromised. You're listening to the Outdoor Podcast, proudly presented by Six Hour and created by Bowhunter Planet. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on the Outdoor Podcast. It's myself, Tim Mazarana, along with Dave, your host today. And uh, today, on our as a guest spot on our show tonight, we have Tyson, who is representing the oldest archery company in the a- industry, yeah. Easton. Tyson, how's it going, man? Hey guys, things things are good. It's uh, yeah. I I think I won on social media. You guys had a competition of who the oldest company was, and I'm like, allow me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, very you cool. Got that right. I think I think it surprises everybody to be honest with you. Um, but then when you think about it, 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 it makes sense. You guys have been around for a very, very Over 100 long years. Time. 101 years now. And honestly, like what's really cool is to 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 study, you know, especially people like like us that love archery, study the history of archery. And, you know, it was it was destined to die. Archery was destined to die, you know, about 17th century, 16th, 17th century when firearms started to be really prominent um uh, you know even in the u.s as the native americans uh you know kind of slowly were, were you know that that whole deal happened i mean the bow and arrow was destined for failure and uh our our founder doug easton had a huge part um you know along with uh, a couple others of of making the sport today what it is so it, it's an honor to work for him it really is yeah, and it's a great sport and a great industry to be a to be along with too. So a lot of great people, including yourself, that represent companies so well. So we appreciate that, Tyson. Well, thank so you. If you see me swinging in here, I've got a fly that's that's on a mission to get me. So if I'm if <laughs> I'm see swinging, the camera I'm going, not, uh, we know what I'm it not, is. Like, warming up for a boxing match, but I'm going to get this thing. <laughs> Trust me, like Tyson punch up. You man. got you got any chopsticks <laughs> over there? You pull up. Mr. Oh, I'm not that good, but this hat will come <laughs> off, and I'll I'll smack him. I'll get him. I love it, man. Well, it's great to see a company like Easton because you really, I mean, the roots that you guys have today are the same roots that you had back 101 years ago, right? Which is making arrows. And you guys, you guys have been doing it for a very long time and uh, rightfully so because the stuff that you put out is pure quality. Well, I appreciate that. And and yeah, the the, the other really unique thing with Easton is it's still owned, family owned. Um, you know, Doug Easton was the founder, uh, Jim Easton, his son. Um, is you know still uh, still around as well, but the the, the grandson of the founder uh, is actually running the business now, Greg. So, the, you know, there's not a lot of family-run businesses out there of the size of, of of Easton for sure. But you know, there's there's so much um, in the world of archery, the the world of conglomerates, right? Where they come in, they eat up some of these smaller guys and. Typically, you see kind of that founder's passion uh, oftentimes die out, you know, that was kind of innovating really cool products. And you guys are right in the cutting edge of all of that, where 
you see kind of firsthand, I mean, broadheads blow my mind. I mean, people in a garage come up with some crazy idea and, and it's super cool, you know, and uh, oftentimes once that gets, you know, to the point of blown up into this big conglomerate, you lose some of that passion. So uh, being at Easton, still being family owned, like it's such a, just a wonderful place to work and really impressive group of people here. I just, I'm one of the few blessed people in the world that goes to work and doesn't feel like he's at work. So. Right That's awesome. American made arrows, right? So we're talking, Oh man, there's so many arrows you guys have produced over the years. I was talking, we were talking to Gary the other day was on and uh, I had shown him this box behind me that I got. So when we were, we're doing our classic series, um, we, we get a lot of like, we'll buy bows on eBay, you know, like used old bows, like different, we're trying to get one of each year of every brand. And so it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a struggle. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to do. So yeah, sure. one box came with this box of arrows here behind me. And uh, I was showing this, we <laughs> were showing this to Gary the other day. Yeah. I said, I said, Gary, I said, uh, these are game getters. Right. And it says, sure. this is the funny part. This is the funny part. It says, this was at Dunham's. And it was three sixty nine. And he's $3. like, "There's no way. There's no way those are three sixty nine. I said, "I know, but maybe they found them in the back, you know, and then just like discounted them to get rid of them at the time." But isn't that oh, funny? Gee, that's unbelievable. Well, look at these things, man. Holy! That was cow. definitely before inflation. That's that's <laughs> incredible. Isn't it? Look at the container, though. Do you guys have any containers like this at work still? These old ones, like you this? know, I have seen that uh, that same container. That one looks like it's just seen some. I mean, is I don't That's think it's a... supposed to be yellow, is it? <laughs> no, I, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> it's been sitting in cars for years with sun damage. The are, the still still, uh, are, are the veins still like adhered? And you know, sometimes they get real crusty as they get older, but they look like they're decent. They are. Yeah, let's. Uh... Interesting. I, I've so seen rubbery. gems. That's that. I'll put that on the list of gems I've seen over the years. Um, <laughs> I know. I think you guys should put it on display at the shop. You know, just like put it there. Like BHP found this arrow. <laughs> oh yeah, that's awesome. There's a shop, uh, an archery shop in California. Um, Wilderness Archery, I believe, is the name of the shop, and he has a just an impressive. Uh, uh, collection of of old stuff you know like cool. some some original like cedar arrows from easton you know wow, that shipped cool. in an actual cedar box Jeez. you know like like uh early probably mid 20s late 20s mm -hmm. uh products so there's some cool stuff out there that as archery geeks i mean i guess we're 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 one of the few that get excited about it but uh, i love it man that's awesome yeah, no, cool. I think I think I think that type of stuff and archery go hand in hand because it's it's about history, right? And that's kind of what our that's kind of what hunting and and archery is all about is is that history part of it as oh. well. I think there's a big story there for sure. So, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's funny because like uh, so my buddy Ron, he when you go to his house, his his garage, he's got his little hunting area in his garage, and you know one of the things Ron does is every time he gets a a, a kill or whatever he keeps the arrow and he actually has a mount and he goes on the mount and he has a date. It'll say like, you know, two, 10, 11, and then, you know, six point. And he's got like a rack of these arrows. So like, it's funny because they go from all of these arrows to carbon, right? It's funny because he has right. literally stacks of aluminum. Then it jumps into like carbon. I think he had an ACC in there, the original ACC. 
So that was funny, man. I was like, dude, that is so cool. We were, uh, Gary and I were actually joking. So Gary, for, for those who didn't hear that episode, he's our director of marketing. But one of these years, he and I are going to go out with uh, aluminum, you know, like some some old game getters or something and go on an antelope hunt or go on a whitetail hunt and go shoot it with some old school aluminum. And, and surprisingly enough, we still sell a lot of that. When we still, yeah. there's still a lot of guys, uh, certainly in the target arena, you know, um, one, one, you know, real legacy factor for Easton is we just dominate, you know, in, in target archery. I mean, just in a, in a very, very uh, impactful way, I guess. And whether, whether it's, uh, you know, indoor archery where aluminum is still really king, you know, a lot of the guys are shooting X23s or X27s, uh, winning Vegas or some of the other indoor tournaments around the world. And, um, but even in the hunting world, I mean, the, we, we sell a pretty good number of game getters and uh, black stalkers and, you know, different uh, aluminum arrows that surprises me every time. But there's, there's still some guys out there that are, that are slinging them. So. Oh, there's still guys out there that are shooting the same bow from the 1980s that they got too. So. <laughs> I bumped into one of them up in Idaho a couple weeks ago. He showed up. You know those old Browning four wheeler bows? Yeah, yeah. And they, they weighed like 80 pounds. There's a guy. I mean, we're like four or five miles back in, and the guy had to have been in his 70s. And he's, you know, props to him. He hiked back in there, but he comes walking through with this brick of a bow, and I'm like, gee. I guess he probably kills more stuff than I do. Who knows? Yeah. And it's the old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? That's right. <laughs> and at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm walking around the woods with probably more money than I'd like to admit in my bow. And <laughs> right. I've yet to draw it back this year. So I've hunted, I've hunted eight days or nine days. And I, I may as well, you know, carry it around a uh, toothpick or something. You know, it, it would have done me just the same amount of good. So you going, you going, were you on Western like mule or elk? Elk. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get much in the way of Utah uh, tag system. They've kind of got here. It's a little bit screwed up, but um, I'll hunt the extended archery hunt in Utah. It'll be my first time playing in that circus of people. Um, but I'll go, I'll go give it a whirl. There's some guys who do really good up there. So, um, but I've been mostly, you know, out of state chasing elk. That's, that's kind of, this time of year, our office is a little bit of a ghost town for sure. Rightfully um, so, so, man. It's that so time I, uh, of season. I uh, so I posted a video um, the other day on TikTok with uh, with with that. So Gary sent us some XX seventy five shafts. I said, "Hey, can you send me some some aluminum shafts? I really want to play around with them, show them on video." So I, he sent me like this bundle of them. It's like an octagon looking thing. It's like a big bundle. So I posted a video on TikTok, and I just want to give you guys some of the comments. It's so funny. Um, one guy said, I just set up some 2216 last night. Uh, another person says, no way my dad used to blow up with these back in the day. Uh, this arrow with a 100-grain thunderbolt or thunderhead took my first deer with a bow. I still have it put away with memorabilia. XX78 super slams with a muzzy on the end. Which they're they're seventy fives. I don't know if they were saying, "Hey, I'd rather use a 78. But uh, mm -hmm. anyway, somebody's like, somebody's like, "How long have you had those stored?" I didn't know they make those anymore. Basically, you know, I'm like, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some some people out there are still shooting them. You know, we do really well in the crossbow world. Still, you know, ten point uh, does a lot with uh, aluminum aluminum bolts. In a lot of ways, it it makes a superior product. Um, you know, as far as 
you know, if you look at like spine consistency, weight consistency, a lot of those uh, aluminum is pretty hard to beat from a consistency standpoint. But the lightweight aspect of carbon just really has swept the arena. But one thing really unique to Easton where, where we've had just a mountain of success is in our dual composition products. So, you know, uh, currently the pro comp arrow, you know, has got some popularity in the hunting market. Uh, the FMJ is probably an even better example, but where we're using both alloys and able to get the strength and lightweight aspect of carbon, but then the consistency of, of straightness, um, uh, weight and spine that you get from aluminum. So the, those, anything aluminum carbon that we make has really just been a very successful, um, you know, in the hunting arena for one, but even outside of hunting, every Olympic, uh, medal has been won with an AC arrow, the X10, namely, uh, since, since its inception. So, you know, we've, we've really dominated in that arena where archers just frankly aren't able to win um if they're not shooting uh that that level they're shooting at a level let's be honest probably much higher than you or i could ever aspire <laughs> to um no doubt <laughs> when you get that good you know they they just they notice a difference and um it's really cool to be able to be at easton and be a part of that that brand or that product that makes the difference for these guys to be able to qualify for the olympics or even have the chance to to win a medal right on well yeah when you're talking about that type of competition it's a game of millimeters right so every little little advantage helps and uh like you said it's all about consistency so yeah no doubt yeah it's 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 uh absolutely unbelievable to watch those people i i was in berlin um at the the world championships uh probably about two months ago, I guess now. And for, for those who don't follow target archery, world championships to some is even more, a more impressive victory. It could be argued than, and I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail for it than the Olympics. Um, the number of competitors, there's more people competing. Um, you know, the qualification for the Olympic process is a little bit stringent and watching those people, it was, it was downpour rain during the finals. I mean, we're talking like, like you stand in it and you're soaked in, in 30 seconds, you'll be drenched through and through. And those guys are just stone cold, just shooting arrows. Like it's sunny and 75 out there and still just easy. Some of the arch, I was talking to Rio wild. Um, he, who's, you know, one of the, one of the best compound shooters ever who said in those type of rainstorms, you're, you're dropping. What did he say? Maybe six to 12 inches of of drop because of the rain hitting the arrow in flight to the target <laughs> um and they they compensate for that they train in that i mean they're they're really unfazed and their scores were still excellent it's it's pretty impressive to to see their nerves of steel um you know when i get out by myself and practice and i'm just cranking punching the trigger or whatever habits i have you know and they <laughs> They keep Guilty it together. Charged. <laughs> yeah, they, they are definitely at a higher level because if if we were hunting in uh, rain like that, we would be sitting in a ground blind. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I was told by one of our marketing guys that it's not called, uh, you know, it's not punching the trigger, Dave. It's called command shooting. 
Sounds a lot better. I'm a command shooter. I get the, I get the worst. Like I don't know if it's called target panic or what, but man, sometimes it doesn't happen all the time. Generally, when I'm by myself here and I'm filming bows, I don't have much of an issue. Sometimes a little bit, but nothing much. But when I'm hunting and I am like I, I'm like nervous and there's a deer in front of me, I literally. And I know I do it because I, I film myself sometimes. I don't realize I did it, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm my fingers behind the trigger. And then I go, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I can. And I'm like, I've seen myself do it like three or four times. I always get mad because I think, dude, I can't even use that footage. It looks so bad the way you said you're so bad. I mean, like, you think I'm the deer's going to see your finger move? That's why you no, move it so fast? No, it's not that. It's something with the pin not moving that spot. It's so stupid, but I can't. Oh, jeez. I need a drink. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you just own it, Dave. You know what? I've decided that people are going to give you negative comments <sighs> no matter what you do. So you just kind of, you just kind of own it. And yeah, I, I punch the trigger. You know, watch this, and it yeah. just happens. It is what yeah. it is. Tyson, I, I try to prep Dave for that all the time because I just try to beat him down as much as possible so that the other people he doesn't <laughs> care about. You know, that's, that's that's the role I play with Dave. That's a good friend right there. Uh, man, That's guy. what that is. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, I can't yeah. believe we're already in season to be honest though, in, in different parts of the country and stuff. Cause you know, we, uh, we just had our youth weekend this past weekend and, uh, not successful necessarily, but it just felt very weird to be back in the field again. And, um, just back at it, I guess, you know, and, and we had done something a little different this year. So I always let my, my kids choose like how they want to hunt, what they want to hunt with. And so, uh, we are hunting this spot. So he started with a crossbow. His first hunt was with a crossbow, but cool. then once we like sat there for a while and I'm like, yeah, I know, you know, you can use a gun if you want, you know, it is, it is either way, right. You can choose this. This is your cho choice. You know, and my son's killed probably three or four deer with crossbow over the past like three years, you know? So I'm like, he's like, I, I want to try the gun. I'm like, okay, it's fine. Cause the spot's actually perfect for it. Cause it goes straight out. Like what Tim, 200 yards, 300 yards straight out. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, 200 yards straight out. to so a You can shoot yeah. with these, these new. So in Michigan, we got a new gun. It's called the, we have a 350 legend or we have the 450 Bushmaster. So those two shells have their own, obviously guns that go with it. And they're a solid wall cartridge of some sort, which makes it legal in the shotgun zone, which is very rare for us. It used to always be 12 gauges only, three inch mag. It was terrible, you know, back in the day. And um, so anyway, so we go to Jamie's dad's who's in the area. We're hunting with Jamie, one of the other owners here. And uh, his dad lives pretty close to where we hunt. And we sighted in the guns, whatever. And uh, we'll go back out there. We didn't see anything. We didn't get any shots, but we could have him. He could have shot a spike. He could have shot a doe. Uh, but it's just interesting the reach though with a gun, right? It just changes a little bit, right? Because you're like, you can use the crossbow. We're good out to like 40 yards here for a kid, right? And him taking the shot. But then like you, when you add that gun, it's like, all right, well, you can really get all the way to that hill. You know, it's like way further. It's not even similar at all. You know, I'm like, that's it's a huge, but pretty interesting. I don't know. It was interesting to see him choose, I guess, you know, and then. That is cool. I just, I mean, every time I'm out bow hunting, especially in the West where you've got, you know, these big vast views and things, I'm sitting there like, you know, if I had, if I had just, just a shotgun or a muzzleloader, I mean, the amount of good elk I could have killed, you oh, know, sure. two weekends ago would have been, it's just, and the biggest thing, honestly, is just drawing the bow. I mean, even if I had a crossbow, I probably, I could have killed, certainly could have killed two bulls. 
um, you know, over that week hunt. But that that act of drawing the bow, you know, when you have you just can't get away with that much movement. And I think you can get away with, you know, shouldering yeah. a crossbow. But when when something's even semi alert that you might be there or you're within that 40, 50 yard range, drawing your bow or range, you know, ranging and then drawing your bow, it, it's a lot yeah. of movement to try to get away with. I've had it happen right so many times with just deer, you know, where the deer sees me and I see it and we're staring in deadlock like 30 yards, 20 yards. And I'm thinking in my head, like, how am I going to bring my compound around and shoot this deer? Right. I got it. I got my, my arrows in the quiver. Right. I've been walking. So like I wait till it turns his head and I purposely go to grab the arrow, get it in, start the draw process. And the deer already knows because the deer is, it's not sure what's here, but it knows in the side of its eye, it's looking for any movement. And then it gets mm -hmm. you every time. Cause you're like, you start to go back. And as soon as you start to move, that's it. They're like, Phew. so oh, yeah. I agree. It's, it makes it very tricky. And I don't even know if I had a crossbow, I could still get it off, to be honest. Because, like, sometimes, man, unless you're moving like a statue, like, you know, just a millimeter a second, you know, it'd be very hard, I think, to get those deer to... I, I'll, I'll tell you guys a story. I don't know if I ever told you this, Tim. It's actually pretty funny. I was walking. I had... you ever, Do you remember? You guys remember those... Um, I think they were called flex decoys. They rolled up. And then you would, like, oh, yeah. throw it out, and it would just kind of bounce out. It was all hollow. You had to stake yep. it down. So I had it rolled up and I'm walking uh, through the state land here in Michigan and I'm going between, this is like pretty thick wood, woods areas. And there's these trails that go through the thickness that, you know, the DNR put in years ago, but they're just like paths, right? So I'm walking on one of these paths and I hear what sounds like a lamb. It's like, bah, bah. I'm like, what the heck is that? And I look to my left and this baby deer pops out. It must've been a yearling. It wasn't no spots, like a little bit older. It busts out of this like hedgerow and it's coming right at me. Like, and I, cause I got this decoy. So I like dropped the decoy and it starts to come right to the decoy. Like, no, I know what it was. When I saw it move, I dropped the decoy instantly before it came out to the clear. Then it came out. Now it's like 15 yards from me. It's coming right for this decoy. That's next to my lake. This is crazy. And I'm sitting there going, wow, this is incredible. That thing got within a yard and it's wow. the decoy sniffed my foot. And then a wind gust blew that decoy over. And that thing, <laughs> I felt the dirt hit me. That's how hard it turned and, and pushed. Like, it, was crazy. <laughs> it was a good experience though. Cause I was like, this is like unbelievable. Like I'm just not moving. Right. There's no, my point being is there's no way in any way, shape or form. I could have pulled any weapon, not even a pistol. I don't think to be honest yeah. in this scenario. I mean, I guess if you're a super fast pistol shooter, but like not, not me. Sometimes those, those young deer are just straight up dumb that right? too like I don't there, know if there's been times where i've had like i've had young deer hanging around at night i'm trying to get out they're not moving i don't necessarily want to spook them in case there's others over but then at some point they just piss you off and you're like all right you need to get out of here right yeah <laughs> so you'll throw a water bottle down on the ground and they'll just look around and they'll still be there and it's <laughs> Isn't just that like weird? what the How heck is wrong with you that's what that's what i'm looking for elk hunting i need to find like a like a 300 inch bowl that that's that's what he's got going it's mentality on. right on right on <laughs> i'm right here take me <laughs> have, have either of you ever come out and uh hunted hunted elk or mule deer in the west uh nope waiting for the eastern invite next year let's go <laughs> no i haven't haven't been west no not yet. The Easton invite is uh, is is for me, and it's it's public land, and it's raw, and it's dirty, and it's rough, and it's tough. But you know, when, when you're successful, it it feels pretty dang sweet. So, how far do you have uh, to get? How far do you generally have to get from a deer to or an elk to take the shot? 
Like, what's a general you number? You know, different than whitetail, they react pretty slow, in my experience, elk and mule deer. So, I mean, I, I think if you're, you know, a good profic- proficient shooter, I think 50, you know, 50, even 60 yards is, I would consider, especially on an elk. So, uh, like, if you're... Side, but like so like for instance like if i was like yeah i'm gonna you know i'll come out home with you in a year or two whatever and i start practicing for is my point so basically you probably want to practice at 60 yard i'm assuming and then I mean, I, have that down yeah I, I feel pretty confident at 60 yards i mean you i went and I, i've hunted you know other animals and axis deer and whitetail and i'm convinced you couldn't kill an axis deer with a bow much past much past 35 like they react so unbelievably quickly I, I shot at one not too much further than that, and he was ten feet away by the time the arrow. I mean, he was like in a different. Yeah. I was un like it was just baffled me to to see how quick he responded, and then I realized, you know, talk to the guide, and he's like, yeah, don't don't take that shot. You know, you got you got to be thirty five or under. Wow. Um, was kind of his recommendation, but yeah, elk just they don't react too quick, and you've got a lung cavity that's like the size of a you know a beach ball so you you've got enough fluff in there i think i think 60 yards um you know people might disagree but you talk at 70 like pounds cool. yeah at 70 pounds even a 60 pound shooter i think that they're, they're pretty head. soft um <laughs> i shoot well i shoot a little bit of both um I, I either one i think either a fixed or a mechanical would be fine i don't know if i do two inch cut but i are they both legal know, in utah uh yeah yeah utah and idaho now actually idaho was the holdout with no mechanicals for a long time yeah that's what i was um, thinking reversed. of i can remember yeah they reversed i think it was all 50 or 49 of the 50 states it was legal to shoot mechanicals in and idaho reversed it i believe it was for last season or maybe it was two seasons ago now something like that so interesting yeah that's yeah cool. Yeah, there's just yeah. a lot of awesome broadhead designs out there, though. I mean, Jeez, it's, there's so many. The options are just unbelievably endless. Did I tell you? I don't know if I haven't yeah. talked to you. I don't think I told you. I ran to Gary at a Total Archie Challenge. Oh, no. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Gary? Is that you? He's like, oh, in, you uh, in what state? In Michigan. We, oh, we always cool. go to Michigan one. So I go yeah. up there. I'm like walking around. I'm like, I think that's Gary. <laughs> I was like, what? Usually marketing people don't make it to that show. Like generally, there's a lot of people at that show, but it's generally like salespeople, right? Of every brand. Just as, and I don't usually know the salespeople as much. So it's usually always salespeople. That's why I was like, Gary? Is that Gary? <laughs> yeah, I think he he filled in on a couple events. Yeah. Or maybe just one, one event uh, where, where a guy was out sick or something. But those total archery challenge events, I mean, they do such a good job. Oh, it's just man. phenomenal job. Uh, yeah. yeah we're the, impressed. the one here the one here in utah the finale i mean it's just like it's just so fun you know even if you don't shoot and you're just there and the energy you know it's yeah. just like oh i'm not crazy these people like archery too i know that's <laughs> why i said to tim these are our people so i said man this is like this is it this is the people i i've been at that show like the, the, a good example is like at that show i can walk around and people come out to me like hey I like, I like your show on YouTube. I'm like, Oh, cool, man. You know, I'm glad you got to see the bow review. He's like, yeah, I was looking at this, that, and this, and it's amazing. Cause you can have a good conversation with somebody about that's the only time that happens to me. Like if I'm at that show specifically or ATA, there's the only time that anybody cares about archery, right? 
it might be like oh yeah. hey i've seen that guy on youtube <laughs> yeah well if you ever get a chance go go to the uh the vegas shoot in uh i believe it's in february and, the and show is that the one no uh, it's the actual archery tournament um oh, okay it's called the vegas shoot biggest event in archery um you know i think last year they had right about four thousand registered shooters that, that wow. come out and shoot and it's I shot it. It was so much fun. I, I competed against a coworker, uh, beat him the first day. Uh, we traded scores the second day. I shot his first day score. And the final day is the only day that really matters. And I believe I registered the lowest score in the arena. And I'm not being, <laughs> I, I actually genuinely think I did. I, it's called the walk of shame, Tim. And it's when you shoot the wrong target. Like you they kill a baby bear and you get the baby bear hat. They stop the entire line and make you walk down there and pull your arrow. I didn't do that. I did that more than one time. We'll just say you that. You didn't pull that. You didn't pull. I work for East and I ain't doing that. I love it, man. Well, I the best it. part is, is they'll announce like, you know, if there's someone, you know, on the line shooting, they're like, oh, we want to welcome some industry people, you know, shooting on Bale 37 is Tyson from Easton. And I'm like, hey, guys. And, and I, and I do the you be an ace, dude. You're like, no, I hire the aces. I don't do I'm not the ace. Yeah, then I do the walk of shame a few times. But it was it was still so much fun. And, you know, everybody that I shot with, you know, there was some pretty high-level shooters, uh, you know, shooting one, one guy in particular uh, shot just extremely well. And nobody cares. I mean, they're – He's just glad they're just glad you're there having fun. So um, they even have a bow hunter class. I was shooting a target bow, but they have a bow hunter class and, you know, they get quite a bit of uh, uh, participation just in that. So it, it it's just yeah. a cool event, similar to TAC or uh, um, or ATA. But you the international aspect of it is what makes it cool to me when you can go talk to archers from India and all over Europe mm, or Japan cool. or you know, and there are people from a very different culture, a very different background that are all there really excited about, about archery. You know, yeah, it's, it's, cool. it's super cool. We need more of that in the industry. I know there's a lot that goes on, but uh, you know, we, we always talk about trying to get new people and in, interested in the sport because it is, it is a great sport to be involved with. But, you know, sometimes you need to know somebody in order to get into it. And, uh, you know, it's always great to have people kind of invite others and, and get everybody else out to the events. So the shows like total archery challenge that really allow you to kind of come on your own, even if you wanted to, and kind of explore, even, even if you're not shooting, like you said, and you just want to walk around and see what it's like, you know, there's great opportunity to do that and really get a vibe for the culture. And it's really cool. Hi. So when you were in uh, Berlin, did you get to do any, um, other activities like go look at, uh, you know, Today's episode is brought to you by Sig Sauer, keeping you safe in and out of the field, but also keeping you in the field longer with Sig's lamp of cross rifles, optics, ammo, and more. Learn all about it at SigSauer.com. Also brought to you by Tinks, Dead Down Wind, Burris, Vapor Trail, Stokerized, Arizona Archery Enterprises, Apex Rewards, and Easton. Last year, Reveal by Tacticam quickly became the most sought-after scouting camera in America, making cellular scouting available to any hunter. We ask our users how we can make this outstanding camera even better, and this is our answer. Introducing the all-new Reveal X. Even easier setup. Better battery life. 
faster trigger speed, on-demand HD photos, extended detection range. This season, find out what all the buzz is about. Get a new Reveal X by Tacticam. Any of the history, war history stuff or anything? You know, so one thing I always say about work travel, if you if work travel is exciting, you don't do enough of it. Um, <laughs> but I, I did one of our European customers, he's a big mountain or a big biker, big road biker, pedal biker. So one, one day after the event, after the shooting, he and I went for like a, like a historical tour around Berlin on pedal bikes. I think we rode like 20 something miles. Um, and you know, it's super flat, so it was easy, but we, we went to like, uh, uh, checkpoint Charlie, which was big U S checkpoint, you know, into, into, uh, Berlin, uh, the Berlin Wall, uh, several different memorials for the Berlin Wall. Um, really interesting to see the difference between East and West. I did a boat tour one evening with World Archery. Um, they, they rented a, a boat for some of the sponsors of the event. And, uh, you know, one side of the river, basically, as part of the tour, you're kind of seeing, like, the transition of architecture, the transition of, uh, oh. you know, between, like, the communist side versus the the uh the 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 uh western germany side so it's just it's cool because you know i mean i'm not that i was born in 89 i think the wall came down was it in 89 or was it in 90 right around there yeah right so it's cool because it's history that i was actually to some degree alive for you know um and and they, they've done a good job with the memorials and different things of of uh kind of helping you see what was going on at the time. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, Berlin's a really, really cool city. You know, a lot of live music on the street. And um, we I think it was Friday night or Saturday night when we went for our bike ride. So there was, you know, street performers and, and it's a big music scene. I think it's one of the main hubs for, for music in Europe. So especially... Uh, I think it's techno techno or like electric music whatever that is is really big in berlin and they have these big clubs it, it, it looked like people were having a great time not necessarily my scene um dancing the thought of dancing um would would i sleep really well at night the thought of dancing makes me not sleep or maybe it would make you not want to wake up i don't know what it is but i, I yeah it. i don't at my i got married two months ago and at the wedding I, I i you know she she talked me into like a her and her friends were out dancing and she's like you have to come and i'm like you got like two minutes of my <laughs> like dancing slow dance no no i'll slow well i can sway back and forth fine but you know Can't do the, the sprinkler yeah, I did this. Yeah, the whole it's not just the sprinkler. Stack. I moved the hips. The sprinkler, the lawnmower, you know, the lasso, all of the classics. And I got myself out of there. So the chainsaw, I man. <laughs> I don't know if chainsaw. I know. Chainsaw, yeah, I forgot about the chainsaw, chainsaw massacre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm terrible. I, awesome. I don't know what it is, but I just and people are like, you just have to embrace. You know, you look. Everybody looks stupid dancing, and I'm like, no, you don't. Like I watch you <laughs> dance, and you don't look stupid, but I know I do. So, like, that's the difference. I just don't do it. It's they either for guys, it's either they have it or they don't have it. Guys have it or don't have it. It's that simple, honestly. And I do not have it. No, nah, me either. Yeah, Tim does. Tim's got it good. 
I could see Tim <laughs> cutting a rug. Tim, go ahead. Turn your camera on. I'll see yeah, I, I, I'd show you my twerk, but we don't have enough time. <laughs> hey guys, I'll leave you with this this interesting comment someone told me when I was when I was talking about like the Berlin and the history and all that. And uh I was talking about World War II one time with somebody. I love World War II history. And uh they told me that like, you know, the thing about it is the winners get to choose the history. So if you win, you get to write the history. Whereas, like, let's just say Hitler won he would have wrote the history differently, right? Like, and who won? I just thought that was interesting, right? It always depends on who actually wins. Just like the Versailles Treaty, whatever, same concept, right? They wrote that after World War One to say, oh, you know, you, you Germany was at fault. Germany's at fault, right? So they wrote history as Germany started the war, when in their mind, they didn't, right? So quite sure. interesting. Well, the, and the story that you, you know, if you were to go to school in, in, you know, the U.S. versus a different country and learn about the same event, what are you going to learn, right? History, yeah. uh, history is extremely intriguing. Uh, and and what will be cooler is, you know, if you live to be 100 years old and you can look back at your own lifetime and hear how they tell history of things that you saw firsthand yeah. to see if, if your opinion uh, varies at all from from theirs. You I saw it. a TikTok the other day. Uh, it was it was a old, might have been a YouTube video. I don't know, it was YouTube or TikTok, but it was like a short, you know. And, and it was one of the, it was the oldest person ever filmed on a camera, and he was born in eighteen hundred, hmm. and died in like nineteen oh one or something. But wow. like there was footage of him. Yeah. So basically, what they're saying is like this is the oldest person ever to be filmed with an actual camera so you can actually still see them before that nobody nothing well that'd be an interesting i don't know why you made me think of it but an interesting piece of trivia would be what was the oldest what was when was the first kill shot with a bow and arrow video (laughs) videoed videoed oh videoed videoed I'm going to go with. Well, he said kill shot. So it could be in Africa. It doesn't mean it's here. It doesn't mean it's a deer. It could yeah. be something oh, yeah. filmed a long time ago in a safari hunt. Right. So that would be a hard one. I don't think it'd be like modern, like real tree outdoors or. Was it no. somebody famous? I don't know. I don't know. I just genuinely wonder, you know, where. Oh, you don't have the answer. No, he doesn't. He's, no, he's proposing the, the question. I was okay because I was gonna say it was gonna be like Teddy Roosevelt, right, on his trips oh, over in oh. Africa. But no, I bet you before that. But that's a good, yeah, a good you uh, know. Or, or I wonder if it was you know somebody going and doing a a, a documentary or could or, be Fred Bear. Could be. And those could guys. Could be Fred Bear. Could be Easton. How do I know he didn't he didn't film something or have someone personally film a hunt he did years ago? I'm gonna ask. Uh, I'm gonna ask Chat GPT. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really. <laughs> there you go. I like yeah. that. Let's see what they say. They'll formulate an answer, no matter whether it's right. It's good. But it, it does kind of. I mean, I, I've, uh, I've been on one hunt that was filmed um, with my, my buddy Ross Sevy um, up in Idaho, and it, it's a whole different element. I mean, it's, it's well, uh, to the guys that do it. I mean, I, I told Dudley's uh, or Sharon last time I saw her, John Dudley's wife, um, at TAC, like. It's just really cool what what these people do, what you guys do, because, you know, you look at what what John Dudley and Sharon have done for archery is get people excited about a bow and arrow. 
And, right. you know, I don't know as if Easton as a brand, if, if we really know how to do that, or if it really is our mission statement, even right. Like what we're trying to do is make high quality products and make products that, that, that outperform others to be able to give people an edge in an Olympic competition or in hunting. But guys like like John Dudley or, or or Chris B or what you guys are doing, it's just cool to to see the excitement that that film can create for archery when you firsthand can feel like you were on a hunt or feel like you've touched every new bow. Because yeah. I watch you, you know, the your bow reviews, I, I can feel like I spent the time to look at every one of them. It, it's just really cool. It, it, it's a whole new element to. To, to archery to any hobby um it's just it's a cool thing to think about yeah no no doubt man it is and it is and sometimes it isn't the company right sometimes it's the people that represent the company that that able that are able to bring that experience um because i you know there is a passion to that within the industry for those that love it and that's why that's honestly why dave and i do it is the passion for the industry Sure. Um, you know, and that's why we've lasted what we're going on 14 years now. We've been doing this. We're getting close to Easton's 100, baby. We're going to be yeah, going man. We're, we're closing in, closing in. <laughs> fast. Yeah, that is. I did. That's a long time. 14 years is a long time to be doing it, you know. And and you're when you're fueled by passion, though, I mean, that's that's the unique part about about what we do. And I tell our sales reps all the time, you know, we're selling fun. You know, we're selling people's passion. This isn't gasoline. This isn't a Ziploc bag. You know, this is what somebody, and you guys get it, probably the people who listen to this podcast get it, people that spend thousands of hours a year watching videos, talking yep. to their buddies, dreaming about bow hunting. We, we, you know, I get to do that every day, you know, and, and it doesn't get old. It doesn't, it really doesn't. You know, it, it's uh, it's just really exciting, I guess, to be able to sell a product that is not gasoline or is not some commodity, but it's it's a passion. It's exciting. And people want the best. You know, they don't want to go out in the field with, you know, they go into a pro shop, someone sells them an arrow and yeah, this one's good enough. This one will shoot forward. Like, no, they want to go out with the utmost confidence in their bow, whatever brand they choose, in their arrow, in their, you know, their broadhead. And the amount of time that we all spend researching what it is that we should be doing, you guys' success is a huge testimony of that. Why yeah. in the world do people care about bow reviews? Just buy one and huck an arrow forward, you know, for heaven's mm -hmm. sakes but they True. want to have that one that fits their personality, that the branding is what it is, that the, the uh, accessories, I know that's a big part with bows now. Um, you know, what accessories can I get with it? Um, it's kind of like selling them almost like a system now, it yeah. feels like, right? So I don't know, to me, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's a cool thing to be able to say that that's what we get to do every day is, is well, I think you're, I think you're dead on because it's like, you know, the, the hobbyist or the professionals out there, right? The work that they're doing, whether it's construction or mechanics or anything like that, sometimes you're only as good as the tools that you have, right? And, and you're just, you're, you're another tool in that toolkit that allows them to be successful at what they do and what they're passionate. So no oh yeah, uh, I was gonna say I just want to put this in there real quick because I don't want to forget it. And we told Gary, and I'm just gonna tell you that we want some, we want we want some trickster for kids type 
<laughs> type arrows. We want to see some wraps with some colors all the way down. What was the ones we said, Tim? It was like frosted flakes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Just wild, funny. Yes. Like, you know, like, like Starburst, right? Where it's like some Starburst, like specific. Cause I was telling Gary, like, you know, the, the white, the white one is amazing. Like to me, it's one of my, it's the one I hunt with. I love it. The 6.5 white out. I love the idea. It's white. Like when I'm hunting, I can find that arrow. No problem. Whether it's in the grass or whatever, I'm going to find it. But in the snow, I'm not so sure I'll be so lucky. I'm not sure I haven't tested it yet. So I was thinking, I told Gary, like, it'd be nice if there was like a, you know, we were just talking about McDonald's. They had the grimace shake, right? So if you had like a grimace arrow, it's like purple, <laughs> like it could be fun. Now, is it possible? Probably not. But like, man, it would be, it would be so funny to have like arrows that are wrapped in these brands, like start, you know, SpongeBob and whatever things people really like, you know, star uh, galaxy some people doing like cresting, you know, some custom cresting out there. That's almost uh, to that level where, where, you know, the arrow feels very personalized because it, it's kind of the modern version, you know, as cresting has evolved, you know, is historically kind of a way of, of, of marking your arrow or, or, or your, your tribe or your family or whatever it was uh, for native Americans. And even oh. into the early, uh, you know, yeah, that's, how, that's kind of how they identified that it was theirs. You know, they, they had their stamp on what it was, but it, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about it before until you mentioned it, but these personalized crests that they're doing now are no different. You know, Hey, I like, you know spongebob or whatever you said you yeah. know and they put that on their on the cresting and they can custom print it it's kind of the kind of the modern digital version um of that to some degree but it's too bad you can't sell like the arrow without the sleeve and then people order it and then you just marry it and suck it tight you know <laughs> you can have there's like some of that out there there's like variety the wrap uh you know shrink wrap crests um right. oh okay. you know I, I guess you're right they have the the veins like that too now yeah, they have some element of that, but it's it's interesting. Like the the ebbs and flows. There was a time where we crested all of our arrows. You know, everything wow. had a factory crest on it. You know, Axis was crested, and FMJ was crested, and then then it was like overnight it switched, and nobody wanted a crested arrow. It was like, I mean, you we had to you know either remove the crest or or just discard the inventory because everybody didn't. No one wanted the crest anymore. And now, you know, I'm starting to hear chatter that, that, you know, Hey, you ought to bring crests back. So it's just like anything, you know, you, you think, uh, so just as soon as I thought like those big, huge baggy Jenko pants that, you know, were cool when we were in high school, <laughs> just as soon as I thought those had never come back into style, you know, I, I opened my eyes and, and there they are being worn again. <laughs> Have you guys seen those out and about yet? Yes. They're, they're out there. You seen them, Tim? I forgot about that, that they're from the 90s. I forgot about no, that. No, I have Tim, not seen that. Tim's probably got a pair. He probably wears well, them to he's dinner. He's got a pair for sure. Yeah, he takes, Wind he goes out on too. the town on the weekend. He's got a big pair of Jenkos. My my uh, my my custom <laughs> shoes are Converse, man. I spent a lot of time. Oh, yeah. Them. I need to bring mine over okay. here and leave them here. Tim and I customize our Converse, and I get all of mine in camo. They're sweet with, like, orange yeah. brim. I oh, that's cool. You just, right uh, you their just the marker? No, right on their website. Like, literally customized. Oh, yeah, you can. So, on their website, they have, like, a customized build-your-own-shoe. Literally. Yeah, so, you can go in, pick the material, the colors, huh? tongue, soles, Everything. strings, all that stuff. So, so you know, a website like be, that, you know, yeah, investors. Yeah, that would be cool for arrows. I mean, it, they're... 
it kind of is out there for some yeah. some of these smaller scale guys. You know, I do see, um, you know, I can't think of the names off the top of my head, but a handful of guys out there that that do it, do a nice job. Um, uh, maybe it's, uh, I think it's Adams Precision Archery is one that comes to mind. Um, I want to say he's out of the southeast. Uh, yeah. But yeah, some of those guys do. It, it's cool. I mean. Yeah, but a lot of that stuff's so personalized. It wouldn't be. It'd be hard, be to, hard do to do from a manufacturer's right? standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unless you guys had some sense. way to print it real quick. It's all, it had to be automated, right? There's no way right. you'd be able to. And, and part of it that we think about a lot, you know, and genuinely when I say we're a family-owned company, um, part of that is our, our owner isn't just obsessed over over money or getting a return. You know, they've they've been successful as a family. It's not their main focus. So, you know, if you – if, if we go in and do that ourselves, I mean, that, that's something we like for our dealers to be able to do and a value that the yeah. dealers can add in. But you got to make money. Make I sure mean, that there's business, right? Yeah. Can't make lose sure money. <laughs> yeah. You want your dealers to be healthy and you want, you want as many people as possible to be making a living in archery as possible. Because yeah. what that does is help grow the sport. And the, the experience I've had with, with Greg Easton is I, I tell the story. So, I'm responsible, have been responsible for sales at Easton for, I think, four years, um, you know, been at Easton for seven, responsible for the sales effort for four, and now I oversee marketing as well. But um, I think it was my second sales meeting I was in charge of. I was like, hey, Greg uh, Easton, right, can you give a little, you know, pep talk to the sales reps? You know, I want him to hit the road and really get after it, you know, and whatever, and it's his turn to, you know, it's I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm turning time over to Greg. He's going to, he's going to, you know, got a little message prepared. And Greg stood up and talked about youth archery for 25 minutes and how <laughs> he wanted the sales reps to help grow youth archery. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> no, like not that no, we want to, we want to sell product. That's what we wanted to do. Right. And it's just a good reminder. Like his, his genuine concern is the health of our dealers, the health of, of the industry as a whole the growth of the sport um yeah. i mean if he had a venue in which he could have pumped up our sales reps it was right there to go hit the road and sell a bunch of product and make sure every dealer buys easton and nothing but easton um his comments were about how do we get more more kids involved in nasp and more kids involved in youth archery so awesome. it, it's just a really unique spot to be in and and yeah. it's one of the many blessings that i feel like we have as as employees at easton Tyson, man, thanks for being on. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you soon. And good luck this fall as you uh, get uh, get hunting here. Well, I'll, uh, I'll wander around, take my bow for a few more walks, if uh, <laughs> if nothing else. So Very good. <laughs> All right, man. Have a great night. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.